What's good? It's Marcus, and we are coming up on the launch of Create and Orchestrate, the book I've been working on for the last five years. I'm so excited. It's coming out June 30th, and I want everybody to go on Amazon on June 30th, not before, on June 30th, and buy the Kindle edition of Create and Orchestrate on June 30th. 30th. We're trying to get that bestseller. I appreciate you. Appreciate your help on this. Look forward to celebrating successfully when we get that bestseller. And now for another episode of Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe. This is Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe. Like you got to do the work. You got to show up and just do the work. What's up? Happy Wednesday. Another episode of Marcus Whitney Live. Super excited. This is the most professional show I've put on because I've got my brand new internet and the most professional guest I've had on the show. She she reached out to me uh, on Monday and was like, hey, so I'm really excited about the show. Let's get on the phone and like, let's game plan. And I was like, okay, this is the first time that's ever happened. And then we talk and she basically had like the whole show worked out. And that's what happens when you have a real on-air personality on your live stream show. So um, without further ado, let me just introduce to everybody my good friend, Nada. Nada, what's good? How are you? You're giving me too much credit. Nah, you deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. Um, and I am really excited to catch up with you. We we connected uh, via the soccer world. Um, and is it is it right like the first time that I came across you was when uh, – the Premier League stuff was going on over the summer, like even think, even different from the I National Soccer so. Club stuff, right? It was like you were covering yeah. the the Tottenham Man City match, right? Like the job of my dreams, yes. honestly. Like I did, yeah, I worked for the International Champions Cup and I was doing their on-camera work for the Tottenham Man City game in Nashville. And then the following year, I did their entire season. So it was like all of the games and I spent four weeks in Europe like watch like I mean so that's why actually I'm a Spurs fan is because my first EPL game in London was Spurs and I mean oh man yeah yeah (laughs) you can't you can't come back from that no no it is a it is a it is a unique wonderful experience and uh and and was it a home match were you at White Hart Lane it was the last game at White Hart Lane. Are you serious? It was the one with like the banners and and, yes. and, and like where we beat yes. Menu. And oh my god! And, and I rushed the field. What's uh, up, dude? <laughs> yeah. So that's basically you cannot beat that experience at all. Never. You cannot mm-hmm. beat that experience. Okay. So now yep. I'm like now I'm like super jealous. Um, Sorry. Yeah. I, I don't. Know. I don't think I knew that. I can leave. I mean, <laughs> dude. Oh my god. But but I I have been on the pitch and I went to White Hart Lane before they demolished it and I've been to the new stadium. Oh, wow. I you know I've had my share of a very incredible, unique Spurs experiences. You're, you're one of the only like legit Coys fan in Nashville. Like I'm I'm proud of us. Yes. Like, we are. Yes. Like hello. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's let's just quickly. Uh, dig into your background. I, I I have a general question, but I, I want to hear about your, your whole backstory. But I have a general question, which is something I never really thought about until I started doing this show, which is how does someone end up being 
an on-air personality, right? Like now that I do this, I know it's, it is a skill. It is a craft. You have to work at it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It is not just something somebody gives you, but I'm just, I'm so interested in how somebody finds their way into a real career in it. And I'm not talking about like an internet thing, like I'm doing, like I'm talking about oh, legitimate, God. you know, you're working with like big corporations, big organizations. Um, so I'd love to sort of hear that backstory. I mean, accidentally is the answer. <laughs> like the short answer is you don't try to and you end up in it. But I actually started, um, I've always wanted to be in media. And I guess like looking back now, I'm like, this has always been what I was meant to be doing, which is weird because I didn't think about it. I wanted to be a newspaper reporter. Like I wanted to be a sports reporter, which okay. I was for many years. I covered the NBA, soccer, you know, whatever. And so I started off writing, like I have a degree in journalism. And so um, I always wanted to do that. And then obviously, I think for me, in the era that I was in school, it was an obvious like, newspapers aren't going to be what they've always been. Yeah. And so I was quick to kind of pivot. And I was a nerd. I mean, I coded websites when I was like in middle school. Get like out I was of here. I was a nerd. And so like, for me, I always had like this, like, pseudo background in digital, which like was I was just like, I had an older brother who was into computers. And like, we just did stuff like that together. And then I parlayed that into an actual career. And so that's what I did when I was in college, I worked my part time job was at the NBC affiliate, doing their digital, um, their digital stuff, like okay. their, like little I was part like one of three in their digital team. And when I started, there was no emphasis on digital. Right. And then when I ended, like three years later, it was like the biggest like department. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, so it was yeah. like a, a swift change in that. And then um, I my first job in radio was actually doing the news on the digital side for the talk station, like the talk news station. Okay. Um, and then got into the music side, which again looking back on it, it was always something that I should have been doing, um, which I have a story that like, we'll tie it all back together. At some point, I'll tell it to you. Okay. I don't know if we'll do it today. But, okay. um, but it all ties back together. And so I started working for the uh, pop radio station in like the top 40 station in Orlando. And as like an assistant music director, digital director, and then um, that brought me to Nashville. And um, I kind of fell into the on-air stuff because I was the story is, is I was doing I was a digital director in Nashville for the cluster of radio stations at iHeart so like okay. all five stations okay and we had just gotten um the Bobby Bones show like it had just come from Austin to Nashville and I was just kind of uh like the middleman for like I was launching it digitally locally because it's a nationally syndicated show right and I was like in the studio like trying not to be a bother like I can be very like in your face and I was like I've learned my lesson I'm just gonna sit in the corner <laughs> and I think like quickly Bobby was like why don't you sit over here and I'm like by the mic why <laughs> you know and it just it was kind of a natural thing but it was also like I'd spent I mean, I don't know how many years, five, six years in radio already. So I'd been around it. Yeah. And I think I've just always been kind of an outspoken kind of person. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, so it worked. So I spent five years 
doing that, being an on-air talent, but also doing all, like I launched the entire brand for that show and did all the digital for that show. So anything digital, podcasts, website, like designing graphics, doing everything digital, like social media, all of it. I did all of it. Holy smokes. Yeah. I mean, that, that makes so much sense in terms of like what you're doing now. I, I, so I did not know the digital director piece of it. I did not know that you came in that way. You know, um, and mm-hmm. you just because, yeah, your personality is such where you you belong in front of a camera. You belong behind a mic for sure. Thank easily. Yeah. I didn't know that you actually came into it running all the, the entire digital yeah. platform. That's crazy. So, yeah. So I was the web girl. <laughs> so so you talked about like what it was like at um, at NBC where where you went in and and. It's, it's so funny because my wife has this exact same experience where, you know, she was doing digital when nobody cared about it. You know, what's this YouTube thing in music? And now it's the biggest thing, right? So yeah. um, I, you, you talked about going into NBC when it, when it wasn't very important. And then by the end, it was the biggest thing. What about in terrestrial radio? Like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, you know, that feels like an even bigger chasm. Oh, man. I mean, like when I started in Orlando... Like every like terrestrial radio hosts are very old school. And so it's very hard to take someone who's been doing something like the host in Orlando was like, had been doing it for like 20 years or something. So like most like hosts are like, I've been doing this forever. I care about my radio show. That's it. I'm not going to promote, you know, this online streaming or like this, you know, social media crap or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but it, that's what is going to grow your brand. Right. And it was very hard to change that mentality of like, we're not taking away from your terrestrial listeners. And terrestrial radio also was like, at the time, it was a diary system where people actually had to write down what they were listening to. And that's how they tested, like they you know could test how many people were listening to the radio station and give you ratings. Like oh. that's how they did ratings. Oh, the, the ratings was by diary. Literally at one, uh, like in the beginning, it was called diary and you had like a, like a select group of people and they actually had to write down, like, I'm listening to this radio station and this is what, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then it turned into, you know, a more like, it was called PPM and it was like kind of like a beeper system where like if it just like (laughs) recognized if you were listening to the station. But so people just were like, that's all they cared about. And I had to kind of like. I feel like my career has constantly been a battle for digital, like just like trying to get people to come on to the side of like, even when I moved to Nashville, it was like 2011 and I still had to fight with the host because I'm like, guys, like I will say to give credit to Bobby, he was one of maybe the first morning show host that was like on the same page with me on digital and understood the importance of it and understood the importance of social media. And I was like, hell yeah. You know, so I think like in that case, like, yeah, it was really hard in terrestrial radio to be like, hey, guys, like, I'm not trying to take away from your listeners on air. We're going to like it's a it's a it's a system that kind of comes back to it. Right. You're right. just kind of feeding like you're taking from one bucket to another bucket and back to that bucket. Yeah. And it's like people just couldn't really grasp that concept. Yeah. I mean, there's there's this definite fear of the unknown. You know, digital is digital is not scary unless you don't know anything about it. And then do you think it's a it's a 
one or the other, as opposed to yeah. an omni-channel. People are watching television yeah. and they're tweeting about the show that they're watching and they're, right? I mean, you know, and they're on IG Live commentating about the show they're watching, just sort of... It's a, it's a spider web. Yeah. I mean, like, that's kind of how I always, even though I'm a, deathly afraid of spiders, that's kind of how I <laughs> explained it, was like, it all kind of webs back to content, right. right? Like, that's the most important thing is what you're doing, the content, and then it all just kind of, exactly what you're doing here, you know what I mean? Like this is going live on Twitch and on Facebook and on YouTube and on Twitter. And it's like, that's not to, you know, discredit or take away from what we're doing right here. Right. It's pushing it everywhere to give more people, you know, access to it. Yes. So, so I backed into my knowledge of you on Bobby Bones because I just happened to not be that big of a country music fan, even though I'm married to someone who <laughs> lives and works and breathes country. Um, but I just didn't, I just didn't, that wasn't where I knew you from. I knew you from soccer. Okay. And mm -hmm. then like, you know, Chris introduced us, you know, our buddy, Chris Reddish, he introduced us and I was like, Oh cool. Yeah. Like you work in radio and all that kind of stuff. But then like, I saw you doing more than just like ICC stuff. Like you would do some stuff for the club, you know? And so that's when I got to know, like you were into soccer, but also I realized you were, um, you were on the show as a personality there, but you also were running sort of the, the business of Nada. Like, you know, like you had your own personality and you were you were not confining mm -hmm. yourself to radio stations. You were like, hey, wherever I get, if I get in, I fit in, I'm there, you know? Yeah. Can, can you can you talk about like, can, can you talk about just that, just how you, you came from working in these businesses to sort of, owning and operating your your own business your own personal brand and your understanding of personal brand because that that I feel like is the other side of this whole digital story is just knowing how to like rep yourself and get exposure and build a diverse set of fans around you you know who know you mm -hmm. from different places for different reasons so can you talk about that at all yeah I mean I think so I, I think a big piece of what I've learned in my experience in general is that everything that you do compounds to what you are doing now. Right. Mm. So a lot of people have this fear of like, if I'm going to change jobs or I'm going to, you know, switch gears or whatever, I have to kind of erase everything that I've done. And I'm like, nah, like it's actually the opposite. Everything that you're doing compounds to this. And a lot of people, I think for me, I have always been all over the place. Right. And I, can I think for, I understand. Well, yeah, yes. And for a long time, it was always a negative. Like there was a negative connotation to that. Like you need to just focus on one thing. Mm -hmm. And that was a big reason why I left the show was like, you need to just focus on one thing. And it's like, hmm, I don't think so. And I'm not built that way. I'm not wired that way. And I kind of ended up learning that my experience in different things has made me more, you know, capable of doing what I'm doing right now. For example, I have a background in sports. I have a background in journalism and writing. I have a background in music, top 40 music, hip hop music, not country music, but my knowledge and my experience and my, you know, taste for other music and what, you know, top 40 music was doing, pop music was doing in radio helped shape what I was doing for country radio. Mm. So like I would bring, I brought on a bunch of, I brought on Shaggy to <laughs> our morning show. That out. So like, That's amazing. I mean, things like that. Yeah. It's like most people in country are very tunnel visioned and it's like, it's country music. We got to stick to this. It's like, let's expand on that. And I think that kind of helped in terms of my background in digital, it helped me be a better on-air talent. So for example, like when I do hosting gigs or whatever, like the, the premier league stuff, 
it was like, I have an, I, I not, I'm not only an on-air talent and like, I'm not only going to just read and be on camera. Right. It's like, I actually, um, I know what to do on socials. I know how to expand this brand. I know how to push this out to make sure it's, it's optimized and more, more people are going to see it. So it's like, I bring that to the table when I, you know, come into a hosting gig. It's like, Hey, by the way, like the Premier League stuff, I was like, I don't want to just be your on-camera girl. I want to create the content. And so I parlayed them wanting me to be on camera into a contract to do their creative and digital. Wow. So it was like, I don't want to do just one of those things. And because I can do one, it makes me better at the other, you know? I, I love it. I, I totally get it. And uh, I think that makes that makes the, the segue into talking about your one of your current ventures, I don't want to say it's your current venture, but you know, the one that we've been talking about most recently, uh, which is your business that supports creators of all kinds with sort of bringing your expertise, your strategy and your skill set to, to the table, good cop, bad cop. So can you talk about yeah. that? Crazy. So like, again, accidentally started a company and then accidentally started another one. But <laughs> I think like the, the, main purpose of Good Cop, Pad Cop is exactly what you said. It's, you know, creative services for creators. It's not just about, you know, musicians. It's about songwriters. It's about photographers, directors, you know, whomever is creating and we want to support them. And I think the biggest, you know, thing here is that my background in digital, my background in radio, you know, and then my business partner, Robbie's backgrounds and, you know, he worked at Spotify and did other things and worked at labels. It's like, we've kind of combined these experiences into, something that we can provide to artists or to, you know, athletes or whomever else is on our roster. And it's like, that's the biggest thing here is like, it, I didn't need to drop all the things that I knew to start this company. I actually compounded those things and used them as leverage to start my company. Mm -hmm. Like had I not built, built a network that I had through radio, I would not have been able to start my company. Like it wouldn't have happened because I had such a network and I knew you know, the ins and outs. And I had a different perspective that I could bring into, you know, starting this company. So it's like, I didn't need to be an entrepreneur since high school. I didn't need to have a lemonade stand when I was, you know, six years old to yeah. be able to start a business. And like, I'm the first to say that like, and I read this in your first chapter in your book. And I was like, yes, I resonate because like, you talk, you talk about that. Like, you don't have to do those things to then just become an entrepreneur. It's like, it's almost innately in you, even though you don't recognize it, at least for me, I'll speak for myself. Like I didn't recognize that I had the qualities to be an entrepreneur. And then I like threw myself into it and I was like, actually, I've always had these yeah. qualities. I'm yeah. like, I've always been capable of this, yeah. you know? Yep. I totally know. That's like, <laughs> yeah, you do know you wrote a book about it. <laughs> yeah. That's like my whole premise. Um, I totally know. So can you talk a little bit about your, and, and it might be sort of a shared uh, philosophy between you and Robbie, your co-founder, um, around the opportunity for creatives. You know what I mean? In terms of like what you bring to the table, obviously it's a set of services, but I know that there has to be a philosophy behind that. Um, especially in the world of digital, these, there are just so many, and I know you, what you do is not limited to digital, but mm -hmm. this is a brave new world, right? You know what I mean? Like I, I, before COVID-19, when I was, when I was going to be stuck in my house, I wasn't necessarily thinking about doing a daily live show, like appointment viewing, but I was like, look, I'm going to be here. You know, I'm going to be here. And I've been trying to figure out how to create more content. And so, you know, it took a couple of months to kind of figure it out, but here it is. 
And it just it just feels like there is so much untapped potential. So much untapped potential yeah. out there for people who, who quite frankly don't have an issue working hard. They just that something's not clicking from uh how they're thinking about it. You know, when you talk to to like your your ideal client or or you you know, maybe the best relationship you have today, can you talk about the philosophy that you brought that really is making things click? Look at yourself as a business. Like I think artists, you know, I'll speak about artists in particular, but it 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 kind of goes across the board. It's like we help with not only the creative and the strategy, but we're helping with business development because we look at our artists as like, this is the long play. Like we're not looking to just release a song and it's like, we're done. Okay, cool. Bye. See you later. It's like, that's a big piece of it. But like, it's the long play. It's always the long play. You have to look at yourself as a business. You are a business. I'm a business. You're a business. Yeah. As an on-air personality, like I think that was like one of the biggest things that clicked for me that helped me do what I'm doing is that I knew that I had a brand and my, my brand was my business. So like, mm. even though I had my own actual LLC business, whatever, I was also a business and I had to right. promote myself as such. And I think a lot of artists are just like, I'm an artist, I'm going to put up music. And it's like, there's more that goes along with it. And I think the foundational, you know, building of your business is maybe even more important than anything else. So it's like, we, we spend a lot of time working on building the foundation of an artist and their business and helping them see themselves as a business and understand that they're a business and know that there are things that, you know, besides just making music that have to go into place to make this work long-term and build a career instead of just, you know, a single or an album. Mm -hmm. And I think like the creative and the digital side of that is maybe, you know, I would say music 1A, digital creative brand 1B, because it's like, Without one or the other, it doesn't connect, right? Yeah. And that's the biggest thing is like, if you have a song and like we're scrolling through, you know, Apple Music playlists and you hear the song and then you click on that artist, you're like, I want to know more. And like, we're just innately the way that we're built in this society now. It's like, I want to dig deeper. I want to go on, you know, I'm going to go on a Reddit deep dive on, you know, whatever. Yeah. And it's like, you're, you're looking and if they hit a block and they don't have anywhere else to go, they're done. Their attention's over. Mm. So it's like, you got to make sure that you're not only getting on playlists, but you're giving people that black hole to kind of like dig deeper and just keep going and like keep continuously creating good, authentic content. Like don't put shit out. That's not good. You yeah. know, but like keep putting stuff out. And so it's like, I think that's, that's the key is like understanding that you need to continuously put out content and continuously give people the opportunity to go down your rabbit hole. So when you were talking about the fact that you didn't know you were an entrepreneur, but then you started doing it and you were like, I'm definitely an entrepreneur, right? You know, as, as you got into the actions of it, it, it just sort of clicked. One of the uh, big myths that I ran into early as I would talk to a lot of artists was just this idea that I'm an artist, so I'm a creative, and that's why I don't deal with the business. And for me, like the, the title of my book is Create and Orchestrate, right? It's a business book. Mm -hmm. The very first word in the title is create because business, especially entrepreneurship, is a creative endeavor, right? It's fundamentally a creative endeavor. You know, do you find that people, not people, but artists specifically, you know, the creatives that you engage with, is, is there a, do they have like a mental 
block around this idea that they are capable of thinking about themselves as a business that like in order to create the art or whatever whatever their their work that they put out into the world and the craft that they spend their time on that somehow in order to do that they can't engage with the the entrepreneurial side of themselves that they probably do have Mm -hmm. I think I, I honestly like when I read that in your like book I was like holy crap I never thought of it that way you know, and I think that's probably why I resonate with being an entrepreneur or I can do it because I am such a creative. And I think like I have both sides of the brain a little bit, but I am at my core a creative. Mm -hmm. I was a writer, like I, you know, on air talent, whatever. It's like, I'm a creative, right? So it's like, I think I struggle with those things as well. And that's why I can, you know, connect with my artists on a, in a like capacity of like, it's okay. You know, this is what we're here for, you know, and, and, Robbie's definitely the like more, you know, structured, smarter side of the team. And it's like, I get it, you know, (laughs) but like, I think it helps having that. And I think that's why it helps for us to work with these artists, because it's like, we can help them understand that like, Hey, you don't have to do it all. You shouldn't do it all. Like there's a big, you know, misconception that like as an artist or as an entrepreneur, you should do everything yourself and like spend your time doing everything. And it's like, no, manage your time to be able to spend your time doing what you're best at and then outsource the things that you can outsource. So like, for example, when I started my company, the first thing I did was get a business manager because Lord knows I can't do finance. So like, that was like, I know, I know my strengths and weaknesses. So it's like, I'm going to outsource the things that, you know, I can better spend my time doing other things. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing for an artist for sure creatives are afraid to tap into that other side of their brains but I think what you said is is a game changer it's like understanding that being an entrepreneur is actually a creative endeavor is mind-boggling like I have never thought of it that way so like kudos to you because that's going to change I think a lot of people's perceptions because when you hear the word entrepreneur you immediately think business and finance and I could never do that I'm a creative got to stay away from it and you run away. I say this because I, hello, yes, I yeah. raised my hand. I did the same thing. So it's like, once you, once you change that mindset of like, it's not just a business thing, it is, but it can also be creative. I think that's when you can tap into that side. So one other thing that I loved learning about your, your new business was you launched it and we talked about the fact that you have a, I don't even think love affair is the right word to say it. Like there's probably a destiny with London uh, as a city, uh, which is something that we share because I love London. I, I, I love the UK, but you know, I definitely love, love London. Um, and the fact that you have done business in the UK, you know, um, so, so early in your career, because it, it is, it is, different to do business over there than it is to do business over here. I've, I've spent the last 12 or so months, uh, engaged in, in a business partnership, uh, in the city of Manchester and it love amazing. Right. And it's different, right? It's different, but just the idea of understanding that the values around doing business aren't all the values we have here in America, I find to be so valuable because it just helps me to like think differently. Can Mm -hmm. can you just talk about how you've launched this business? If you go to the website, it says like your offices are London and Nashville and just what, what it's, what it's like so early in the, in the life of your business to operate in two different continents. 
I think it's the mindset that like, I think a lot of people tend to think you're in a bubble and that's it, right? Like, you know, I've worked with labels that were like, oh, this isn't an international release. And we're like, yes, it is. Yeah. Everything's international. <laughs> like everything's on the web and like online and, you know, whatever. And it's like, I think for me, I started going to London, like, I don't know, four or five years ago. And as like a creative outlet for me, it is my like safe space. Like I go there when I'm like, I need to reinvigorate, like I need to get creative, you know, whatever. And they do operate differently, especially in the music industry. They mm. operate completely differently. And I recognized the, you know, in terms of country music, I recognized that connection way before it like really like that bubble popped. And I don't even think it's popped fully yet. And so I just kind of paid attention to that. And I honestly, it was a selfish thing. Like I was like, I want to move here. How can I make my business, you know, like work here? And in that process, I realized like I can just split my time. So like that's kind of where I'm at now is like, we're just going to split the business. And thankfully, like I'm working with someone who also understands like the global aspect of the music industry. And so we were both very aligned on like, we want to do this in London. And like, there's not a lot of companies that are based in Nashville that also operate out of London. And so it's like, in, in a business tactical standpoint, it was very smart. Personally, it's also a place for me where I, you know, again, like you said, I think differently. I'm forced to think differently. It invigorates my creativity. So it's like, personally and professionally, it was very important for me. And I think for, for a lot of people, they are kind of enclosed in this bubble where they reside. And it's like, there's so much more out there. And by pushing yourself to, I mean, I started going to London and had no contacts. And it was like, okay, I got to build a network out here. Yeah. Move here. And I spent, I go to London four or five times a year and I would just take all the meetings, all the meetings, go to all these shows, all these events and like just show up and be present because that's how you build a network and that's how you build a career. And then yeah. when we ended up launching Good Cop, Bad Cop, it was like, we already had a slew of people in London that we could go to and then continuously build on that, you know, connection. And so I think having the London connection or expanding beyond that as well, but it's like, I think the like travel in general is so important. Like travel in general, just like, I think is creative, like creatively for my creativity. And I think for, almost everyone else traveling, changing your headspace, changing your physical space is invaluable. I love everything that you just said. I think the thing I love most is you structured your business to support what you personally needed. Right. And to Selfish. me, no, but this is, look, I was, I was just talking to my, my, my summer intern and he was, he was asking me about like, you know, what, how can someone become an extraordinary entrepreneur? And, you know, I didn't want to not answer the question, but it is the wrong question, right? You know what I mean? Everybody is extraordinary and entrepreneurship allows you to be extraordinary. And the ability to control your time, the ability to design your life, and you use the business to make it sustainable, to sustain what is healthiest for you is just massive. You know, and because so, sometimes when you say, extraordinary what that's really code for is making a really big business that makes like a ton of money that you become like a slave to which is not mm -hmm. what i consider to be extraordinary you know what i mean i've i've slipped into that a couple of times and 
you know, now I'm much more in the, it's about controlling my time and designing my life. And then the business needs to support that. That's, yeah. that's what I'm here to do. So anyway, that's, you said the thing I wanted to hear, which is yeah. it's, it's your, it's your safe space. It's the space where you go to get reinvigorated to create. And that's why you did it. And then it also happens to be super smart because like, you know, we have a direct flight there. You know, the, the country music industry, as you said, is blowing up. Um, it'll allow you to, to take advantage of opportunities people don't understand are always there, which is everything is international. There's always an yeah. opportunity to launch something in America and launch it in the UK, always. Um, so anyway, I just thought it was bad. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we, we like, we signed a Porsche racing driver in the UK. You know what I mean? And it's like, people hear that and they're like, what? Like, you're a music company. And it's like, sure. But like, we're also, you know, in the business of, again, you know, like servicing creators yes. and like who's to say an athlete is not a creator, you know? And it's like a brand is a brand is a brand. And like, it doesn't matter if you are a product or a person or an athlete or whatever. And it's like, I think allowing ourselves the malleability to be like, it doesn't matter. Like we can do, we can do this for anyone, for anything. And like, it's like, again, opening our brains to not be in this bubble of like, we have to be in Nashville. We have to do it this way. We have to only work with country music. It's like, why? We have pop artists. We have country artists. We have an athlete. Like, you know, I mean, I think that's, that's again, what you're talking about is the like beauty of entrepreneurship because it's our business and what we want to do and how we want to help others in this space, you know? That's it. So like I predicted, 30 minutes goes fast. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I told you, I told oh, you, I told you. Um, but all that means is like, you know, you go off, uh, you're going to do some really cool stuff that's going to be announced. I don't know when it's going to be announced, but you're going to do some really cool stuff. When you've done that and you've like lived in that for a bit, we'll have to have you back to talk about, you know, the next chapter of many in your uh, incredible story. But Nada, thank you so much. Anything, you know, you want to sort of uh, leave us with at the end? Um, just read your book, actually. <laughs> I can't Aww. wait for that to come out because I'm like, wow. Like, I actually am really, I'm A, really proud, really excited for you. And um, yeah, I can't wait for that to come out to change a lot of people's misconceptions on entrepreneurship. Thank you so much. Okay, everybody. Uh, the incredible Nada. You can follow her. You should follow her. At Nada means nothing uh, on Instagram, on Twitter, goodcopbadcop.com uh, to follow that journey. And uh, we will definitely have her back in the near future. And you heard it from her, so you need to buy the book, Create an Orchestra. It comes out June 30th, uh, which is next Tuesday, which is nuts. I can't believe it. Um, but I'm, I'm just sort of working day and night when I'm not doing this show to get that launch ready. So I'm excited to get that out in the world to you. Uh, the podcast, Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, on and on, everywhere that podcasts are. Go subscribe and follow me everywhere online at Marcus Whitney. That's it for today. Have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. We will see you back here tomorrow with another episode of Marcus Whitney Live. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to Marcus Whitney's Audio Universe.